0: Double H-U-L-L-C-I-T-Y. 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 That's all
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host Alex and with me this week I have Logan. How are you Logan? Evening Alex, yeah I'm doing pretty well. That's good, yeah yeah, it's been um, I think it's been us too on on the last couple of episodes actually, so becoming uh, familiar faces for everyone. Um, it's been uh, another good week for city. Um, two wins out of two, um, a tricky game perhaps first up against Bristol Rovers that we'll talk about first, um, and then a fantastic win against um, Peterborough yesterday morning uh, takes us back to the top of the table. so must be feeling pretty good about city's prospects at the moment.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you, you can't improve on on top of the table. Granted, uh, you know, we do have some trailing teams who are, uh, you know, serious contenders that have some game in hand, but uh, game in hand, games in hand, uh, we'll get that right. Um on us, which you know may prove to be pretty important for them, but uh, you know certainly where we sit at the moment. Uh, in the last you know four rounds, we've we've done everything we can to to put ourselves in in this position. Um, after a, a pretty grim uh, period there, so it's it's really yeah. positive to see.
1: Yeah, I, it feels like it wasn't that long ago. I guess it was the start of February when we had those losses to to MK Dons and um, Ipswich and a few others, and it, and it really felt like it was starting to slip away from us, but. Yeah, look, starting with that Bristol Rovers game, fantastic win um, at the KCOM, which weirdly enough, uh, I don't know if you saw the stat about the fact that we're actually the top goal scorers across Europe in away games um, with 40 goals away. But considering we've scored 59 goals, I think it is for the season, that of course means we've scored less than half that at home, which is um, sort of a bizarre stat. But uh, yeah. Look. Nevertheless, getting the getting the three points against Bristol Rovers, scoring the two goals at the KCOM um, was great to see, and the double for for Gavin White is um, fantastic as well. The loaner is certainly certainly doing well. Well, the last couple of weeks, we've you know we've talked about
0: the squad, and I know that we've harped on about the depth that we do have. And I guess if there's anything that really stands out about getting used to the League One division is the depth that City really do have. And I know that as I said, we've harped on about it. But it's really interesting to see a a player like Gavin White come in and and add to the goals when you consider that arguably our our strongest front three are, you know, KLP, Magenis and and Wilkes, as far as, you know, certainly goal-scoring records go, um, for Gavin White to come in and, and take his place and to, you know, continue his run of form since he's uh, been with the club. I know he had that period of injury, but he's also been, you know, as prolific as they get as well. So, I mean, it's, it's such a, a strong positive sign for us knowing the games that do lay ahead. Um, the fact that. You know, uh, touch wood, and I know this is a very dangerous comment to make, but like as, as far as injuries and you know, if, if things are to happen throughout the season, we, we do trust that with the ability and uh, and depth that we currently do have in the squad, we can always remain competitive. And I mean, yeah. you know, that's that's probably something that we're not used to seeing. Um, certainly at Premier League level, and and at the Championship, we've we've really struggled at in periods when we've lost our our key players. So, you know, it's it's fantastic to. To have that problem of, um, you know, selection headaches for Grant McCann, knowing that whoever is going to come in, um,
1: and, and fill those roles has, has got goal scoring pedigree. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we were all a bit concerned or um, unhappy with the fact that the Delican went back uh, to Bristol City in January, but I think that the White's been a more than capable replacement. Um, you sort of mentioned there that, that that sort of typical front three is Magenis, KLP and Wilkes, and it's it's going to be interesting, I guess, Magennis now being fit for the, uh, for the Oxford game. Um, look, I, I mean, I guess White's probably the one that makes way didn't score against Peterborough, but that's being exceedingly harsh. And and as you say, look, I mean, it shows the great depth that we have and the fact that there is that sort of pressure on spots. Um, I know we were sort of talking in the chat and uh, sort of getting ahead of ourselves talking about next season, but you'd certainly be looking to, you know, if we were to go up, be looking to sign White on a permanent deal, I would suspect. And um, just the chemistry that he seems to have with our front three and the way that he slots in there, um, you know, is is quite a promising sort uh, sort of position that he plays in the side.
0: Absolutely. And, I, you know, as you said, you don't like to get too far ahead of yourself. And I guess that the, you know, the the challenge of, of a championship season is is one that has a, a totally different look to it. But from every everything that we've seen so far, you know, Gavin White certainly looks capable at this level. And, you know, if he can make the step up to championship, uh, certainly as a squad member, then, you know, by all means, he is the type of player... Um, on our shoestring budget, I guess that that would be a, a positive addition, you know, to to the club. So, you know, great to say. But again, there's still a lot can happen in the, a lot in, can the rem-
1: happen. Uh, yeah, in the remaining yeah. game, and we know that. Yeah. Um, and another player who's certainly showing, showing his worth at this level is Malik Wilkes. Fantastic assist for that first goal for White. Um, I have no idea how he kept the ball in play, uh, in that passage. Some, some great strength from him there, uh, and also involved in the build up for the second goal as well. So, you know, uh, yeah, we're talking second about the Peterborough game where again, he, he scored, he got on the score sheet. But, um, look, he's, he's having a tremendous season and he's, he's up for player of the month for February as well, which is, uh, well deserved. Absolutely. I can't remember the statistics. I think it might have been maybe six goals in
0: in, in the last month or, or something ridiculous like that. But we know that we talked about it last uh, episode too. He's been incredibly prolific. But again, like the criticism of Malik Wilkes amongst the City Faithful is that, you know, he wastes opportunities and, you know, isn't always capable of handing out assists because he's a very selfish player. Um, You know, I guess that if there was ever a, a better a better example of the fact that he does have those extra strings to his bow well well that game was it and that yeah that assist as you mentioned for for the first goal was um was ludicrous it was an incredible piece of individual play and also you know shows an attitude about Malik Wilkes that he is someone who you know isn't going to give up on on balls and he's kind of looking for those one percent plays and so you know I think credit where credit's due That's it's very easy to throw shade on on social media and be frustrated when you're when you're watching from the, the comfort of your your lounge chair at home. But you know, Malik Wilkes has has clearly worked on those areas and, and answered the critics in in some really positive ways. And, you know, that's that's great for us to see.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and I do hope as you say there, it's very easy to throw throw that shade. And and he, he does seem one of those players where when he's out of form, it's it, he's a very easy target for a lot of city faithful. I do hope that um, you know, hopefully he's never out of form, but the next time he has that sort of down period that the city faith will do remember just how good he can be for us and and kind of you know cut him a little bit of slack if he if he goes a couple of games without getting involved in the goals um would be good um you know, look um. I, I guess not a whole lot more to say about this game. I think it was interesting as well with the, um, I don't know if you saw the comments um, from Joey Barton, I think it might've been before the game around our budget. And, you know, of course, City won, they've got the biggest budget in the league and what sort of thing. He, he seems to like his mind games. I know he was talking about his record against Grant McCann as well, uh, trying to very much make it about himself, not about his side, which I guess is sort of typical Joey Barton as well, but uh, good to put him in his place.
0: I think the best thing to do is just not to listen to anything Joey Barton has to say. And I think that's probably a a common uh, view shared by uh, many football fans around the world. So I think we'll uh, let that one slide through the
1: paper and, um, you know, (laughs) let Joey Barton. Barton. Yeah. Well, look, my my, um, MVP votes for this game just before we head on to the Peterborough game, I had to go for White for the three just for the two goals and, um, you know, looking a really great addition to that forward line um, on his return to it. Um, I've gone Honeyman for the two. I thought he was tremendous again today and, and obviously got the assist for the second goal as well, which was a really unselfish mm-hmm. bit of play from him, uh, who we hadn't really talked about yet. Um, and then Wilkes for the one vote for, as we said, that that great assist for the first goal.
0: Yeah, I think there's, I, I wouldn't really, uh, you know, complain about that at all. Um, I think I probably had it the other way around where I was going to give Wilkes the two point and Honeyman uh, one, but I think either way, uh, they, they were probably the three standout players and you know, as we said, a really positive result and, you know, one of those games that we had to look at the table and go to a to lower-ranked team and a team that we should be beating and to, to beat them in the fashion that we did
1: in, you know, a reasonably comfortable manner. Uh, it, was, it was great to see. So, you know. and, and, yeah, and look, you know, they've come out yesterday morning and they've won, um, I think they beat somebody 4 nil. Was it Plymouth, maybe? So they're, they're certainly, mm-hmm. um, they, they've shown a bit of a resurgence under Barton. So I don't think that that result should be just sort of justified as, like, oh, well, you know, we should have beaten them. Like, they're, they're a side that are starting to trend upwards in their form. So it was certainly a, a decent win there. Um, and, and, and then certainly, certainly a great win was uh, yesterday morning against Peterborough. Um, you know, we sort of talked on the podcast last week about how, uh, you know, we sort of go into those games weirdly confident compared to the lower teams. And um, so it transpired. I mean, it was off to a rocky start. Um, greaves not with a great clearance um, to give them the chance to open the scoring but um, you know the the equalizer from burke was a great sort of lobbed header um, and then you know the, the, the deserved a red card i don't think there can really be any complaints about no. the red card um, and then we just sort of ran away with it which was uh, the sort of typical city that we were hoping to see as i as i tweeted out after the game um, how did yeah. you see it
0: yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the really interesting point for for me in this, and I, I remember something in the commentary. Um, they they spoke about perhaps in the last nineteen games uh, that City had fallen behind, they'd gone and lost lost the game or drawn, but they hadn't won from yeah. from a losing position. And so, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it being a, a horrible start. Um, you know, at ten minutes after the the game had kicked off, if you had been told that City were going to win three one, you would have. You know, been mesmerised by that result, and you you hardly would have believed it. Um, such is the way that you know we do have a pattern of when we when we do concede early, we we struggle to get ourselves you know into the contest and come back and certainly claim three points. Um, particularly against, as you mentioned, the team that that were ranked first and were were flying on a an incredible you know run, and obviously it being away from home, um, yeah. which you know, seems seems to be more of an asset to us these days than a, a detractor, but.
1: Um, you well, know, that's Paul, it. Posh had only lost one game at home for the season, I think. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, so to you know, to come away and,
0: and to fight it back into that game and 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 grab a, a steady foothold in it, and then you know, from from sort of straight after half time, as soon as we got the second goal, um, with with Kane Lewis Potty, you just you knew City were going to go on with that. I don't think there yeah. was ever a real sense of panic. And you know, if that's the second second best team in the division at the moment. And we're doing that to them away from home. I think that speaks volumes to where we're at. I, I know that last week when we previewed this game, we said that the statement beating Peterborough would would send to the rest of the competition. But I, I just I didn't expect it to happen in, in I guess, the emphatic fashion that it did happen. Um, arguably, that red card, you know, was was a pivotal point in the game and you're not always going to have luck like that and, I guess, follow that up with a, with a penalty um, that, that we ended up capitalising from. But... I mean, you would be really hard pressed to make an argument that Peterborough were a better side, and if if we can do that to those other teams in the top six, um, you know that is incredibly positive signs for for where we actually
1: sit as a as a yardstick in comparison to the rest of the league. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Grant came out afterwards. It might have been in his interview with Burnsy and said that he thought that we would have won even if it had stayed eleven v eleven, and. um you know, in the past, I've been quite critical of his man management where he might have come out and said things in the media to to either sort of use the players as scapegoats or, or perhaps not, you know, said the right things to to keep the players on side mentally. But I think a comment like that uh, is such a positive thing, a reinforcement to make for the players who, who would have been taking a lot out of that result anyway, as you say, it's a great result to go away from home to be posh, but to, to sort of reinforce that by saying, yeah, you know, look, we were the better side and, and yes, we got that red card, but we were playing the better football and and deserve to win that game. Even, even if it had stayed 11 v 11. Um, I mean, you're quite right. Um, I think, I think probably once Burke got that equalizer or even slightly before that, we were starting to get on top in that game. It was, it was really just that first 10, 15 minutes that, that, you know, we were off to that sort of shaky start in that one, but um mm-hmm. No, look, I, I thought it was a fantastic display from from the boys, and and let's not forget, Alex, that as you just you know touched on on Grant McCann
0: with his with his positive comment, that that really is one that uh, is not only encouraging, I guess, for the playing group to hear that, but also the fans, but. You know, only a month ago we were talking about City's you know lack of uh, of goal scoring ability. I mean, we'd gone on that incredible drought. I think it was maybe four games without scoring. And yeah, I mean, granted, some of those games were against some some pretty quality opposition. But Grant McCann, you know, from all reports, pulled the the front three aside and and you know gave them. I guess this was what was reported was just a a bit of a you know TLC. Um, you know, chat and and told them that he believed that they were the best best front three in the division, and you know it was it was time to kind of show that. And I mean, if that is what got said, and that's all it took for you know the mentality of of those particular players to turn it around. I mean, the proof's in the pudding, I guess. If you look at the the last four results, we've been prolific, and it's it's those people scoring that that he's he's chatted to. So, uh, look, we we like to criticise Grant McCann. I know that we've we've talked at length about the I guess. How uncharismatic he can be, and and some of the decisions that he's that he's made, and some of the comments in the media, you you sometimes scratch your head and go, you know, what's this guy actually doing to endear himself to the fans? But I know it's easy to make these comments when we're winning, but it actually does seem to you know suggest a somewhat of a, a turn in
1: in perhaps his attitude and a response from the players. Yeah, definitely. I think you know there were wa- wa- worrying signs in January, February that we were starting to slide in a similar way to last season. And look, and McCann has form with that as well. I think it was Doncaster, it might have been Peterborough, where he had a an eight game winless run or something. To, you know, March, February, March um, of that season as well. So he he, he seems to have form with that with other clubs. Whether it's the training methods, I don't know. So the yep. fact that we were able to turn that around shows that it's the you know. It's not that the players are sort of downing tools or anything like that, and he is starting to motivate them and get the best out of them. Um, and something we didn't really touch on with that Bristol Rovers review was the fact that it was um, KLP who drops the bench for White to come in, um, which mm. really gave KLP a rest, recharge, refocus, and sure enough, comes back into the starting eleven against Peterborough and, and scores that goal in the second half to put us ahead. So uh, he is he is managing the players better. He is giving them. Um, the, the, you know, the focus or the, um, the um, I guess, um, rest or, or um, tweaks that they need to get the best out of their game. Um, and, you know, we'll, so we've sort of talked last week as well about the fact that it's going to be so vital after this Oxford game that we actually start to have uh, week-long rests between games where, you know, can be better uh, preparation for the game on the weekend, the players can get a bit more of a rest and, and, and hopefully be recharged for those final 11 games of the season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think that one of the things with, with Grant McCann is he has always maintained that, you know, judge me at the end of the season. That's kind of been the thing that he's asked. And, I mean, with 11 games to go, sitting at the the top of the tree and, you know, with a reasonably favourable run in, I think that, you know, as as much as we've criticized him at periods, like uh, he probably has got himself in a position to earn that right. And, you know, over the next eleven games, it's gonna be incredibly interesting to watch. And if City go up and continue, you know, touch wood this run of form, then, you know, he'll be he'll be getting some extremely, you know, positive accolades. And, you know, if if that's the case, I'll be I'll be happy to to be, you know, one of the people that um throwing those plaudits behind him and, you know, and full credit to him, but a long way to go just yet.
1: Definitely, definitely. Um, okay, so then just before we move on, um, were you? Uh, did you want to give your three votes for the uh, MVP for this one?
0: Yeah, I think it's, it would be really hard to go past honeymoon in this one. I thought he was he was fantastic. I also thought uh, Doherty was had a, had a great um, run in the in the game. I, I know that I guess it's probably that pass that through that led to the assist in um in Ken Lewis Potter's goal, but he just looked like he um, you know he had a really strong influence on the game. So so Doherty probably uh, sat in there for for two for me, and then I put KLP in there um, just because of his goal and obviously um, you know parting or making way for um, for Gavin White in the in the game prior, so um, you know that was probably the uh, probably the three, two, one that I would go. Um, again, Wilks unlucky to miss out. I thought he was he was pretty handy and and defensively, apart from the the early mistakes, um, you know the the first ten minutes, I thought we were we were brilliant. So. Uh, yeah, Uh, this one was a a much harder 3-2-1 to give, I suspect, than the the Bristol game because there was many arguments across the pitch as to, to who kind of was in the conversation. But I thought we just, we controlled the game in, in the midfield and, and our forwards, you know, capitalized. So it's, it's always going to
1: make it a, a, a tough pick. But who did you go with? Yeah, definitely. Um, look, I was pretty similar to you. I had Honeyman for the three as well. Um, I've gone Elder for the two. He he did get the assist for, I think it was the KLP goal. Uh, and, and he's he's gone a little bit under the radar because I think he's up to seven or eight assists for the season now as well. So he's, um, he's really chipping in with the assist as well, which is fantastic to see. Um, and as you sort of said, I mean, the defense was great as well. I, I think it's probably a bit harsh. I mean, I, I've passed over Burke for the one I've gone KLP as well, but... I think Bert could very easily be um, in there for the one vote as well. I think he had a fantastic uh, fantastic game against Posh um, for mm. us at the back as well. Um, okay, we'll, we'll move on and we'll talk about um, a topic. I, I shot up a poll after the game, um, which I'm just going to bring up on the screen because we do have the results of it. And I thought it would be a good talking point, um, being the fact that we do have the... Um, 11 games left in the season, I've sort of asked um, asked uh, our followers sort of how many games do we think we need a win of our remaining 11 to go up um, uh, automatically, I guess, I would say. And it's interesting how much of a percentage are saying that it's that sort of seven to eight range, meaning, you know, we've only got that that room to, to drop a couple of games in our run-in. Um, you know, we, we sort of noted the fact that um, I think... Posh, I think you, you pulled up the stat that I think Posh still have to play Lincoln and Sunderland, whereas I think we've, we've just, well, we've got Lincoln and Sunderland as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, think, I, I thought there was maybe, maybe maybe one of them has to play a few more of us than, than the yeah. others.
0: I also believe that one of those teams has to play potentially Doncaster twice. Um, That's it. I think that was yeah. and- and I just remember looking at that, seeing that Donny would be an incredibly frustrated team at the moment, given the fact that they had thrown themselves into contention, had those game in hands, and then have have really struggled in the last couple of results and kind of put pressure back on themselves. Although they still do have games in hand, um, and I think that that's probably a team that I would would like to avoid playing um, in a, in a massive way. And so to know that our you know top six rivals have those kind of fixtures in their midst is it's great for us, particularly knowing that know, we're a couple of games ahead and, and have a couple of rests in there.
1: Yeah, Um. I just quickly, I do enjoy the fact that Barry's responded to say that he thinks we need to win all 11. It's very <laughs> typical city to say, you know, we need to win all 11 just to, to make sure of it. And look, I mean, even to be fair, I think even if we won all 11, um, there is always the potential that, you know, whether it's Sunderland and Peterborough, it somehow overtook us. But, you know, uh, how do you see it? How many games do you think if there was a magic number that you'd put on it that, uh, would sort of keep the chasing pack at bay. Look, I think
0: that that's seven and eight. Although it's the most popular vote, I've got a feeling that we won't even need that many. I still think that with the way that we look at the fixtures ahead and see how many of those six pointers you know exist, and also knowing the the frailties of this league, of it doesn't really matter who you're playing. You look at some of the results that we ourselves have have given up against the the lowly ranked opponents, and and I know for a fact that in a run in like this. Momentum is the biggest indicator and I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of the team stumbling around us. And I think six wins would be enough. I, I don't think we actually need seven or eight. Yeah, Obviously I mean, I'm sorry. I think I think if you get the seven or eight, it's it's a really safe number. And I think that if, if that's what you're asking, I think seven or eight actually does it mathematically. But I suspect, given the fixtures around us, I think six would end up being the magic number that would get us across you know, assuming that uh, two of those teams around us don't go on, um, you know, a, a huge run of games and, and put seven or eight wins back to back, which again is possible.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, looking at the fixtures to come, obviously, we've got the Oxford game this weekend that we'll talk about in a second. Um, but then you look at the, the next few games, we have got Shrewsbury, Gillingham, Crewe, Northampton and Plymouth. I mean, even you could throw in Fleetwood there. So the next six after that. Um mm-hmm. It becomes very interesting because then obviously the two Sunderland and Lincoln games um, is where you could start to see the potential for a mathematical um, uh, certainty around the promotion places because of the fact that it could be a point where um, a win against Sunderland would be enough to sort of give us that gap over them to, to, to seal it. But I mean, we are starting to look quite far ahead, but you just have to look at that next seven games run where, as you say, you know, maybe six wins does it it starts to put into perspective that maybe it's a case of, okay, obviously we go out, win every game that we can. Um, But with these games in hand for teams around us, it does become very tricky to sort of get a sense of how we're tracking. Um, I sort of noticed when I was looking ahead at this weekend that I think Peterborough and Sunderland are both not playing because of the EFL Trophy finals. So uh, instead of sort of um, playing some of their games in hand uh, uh, midweek, they'll actually just be kind of keeping track with us as they are at the moment. Um, which is a bit frustrating. It makes it really difficult to get a sense of how we're going. But, you know, as the point was made last week, better. I think it's better to have the points in, uh, points in the bank at this stage of the season rather than be, you know, playing week in week or, you know, every three days trying to, you know, catch up to us.
0: Absolutely. And that when you think about the extra games that they're still playing, trophy games and then have to worry about a promotion fight you know that's an incredibly advantageous position for us to be in knowing that we can kind of rest while while they have to play those catch up games it's just another added fixture um you you touched on those two those two games where we um where we do play Sunderland and um and Lincoln straight after and i think that depending on where they're sitting at the time, those six-pointers, you've got to remember if, if we count those wins, if, if assuming that we can go and, and get three points against those teams, that's that's a win that we get and another result that they have stumbled in. So yeah. when I say six wins, I mean, it could be four wins outside of that and if you win those yeah. two six-pointers, they could be enough to get you across. I just I, We've just seen this time and time again and we also know that City never do things the easy way. So us speculating that, that could be a promotion game for us with you know three or four rounds to go. I think he's hugely optimistic, knowing uh, you know <laughs> knowing the track record of City. However, um, you know with all the signs and and I guess looking at the the squad that we do have and the the form that we're in at the moment, it's certainly what we have to be looking for. We need to be be aiming and I mean I guess there could be another argument made that some of those teams that we do face in our run in will be battling to stay up. They'll have a battle of their own, and so yeah, you never want to meet a a relegation survival team as well, I guess they can be just as damaging. So every, every run in creates a, a whole host of challenges. But, um, you know, when you do look at, at ours, it is, it is a rather favourable one
1: yeah look i mean it's it's Wigan the game after Lincoln, which as you say they there they was they're the sort of side I think they had a four one win um yesterday morning as well so they they're a side that um you'd certainly want to be sewing up promotion against a Lincoln rather than be needing a result against a Wigan um as sort of counterintuitive as that is to say, and you know look i 'm probably optimistically looking at that lincoln game it's a it's a midnight game here in Australia uh which which certainly gives the opportunity to get out and and watch uh, watch the game at the pub and 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 hopefully be seeing a promotion. Um, it, it's sort of the it's sort of the uh, the optimistic optimist in me that's sort of hoping that that's the that's the fixture that does it for us. Um, but look, it's still it's still a long way off. I think I think as um, as Mike uh, was saying in the chat, I think it was this morning or yesterday. I think this time next week uh, we'll have a much clearer picture of where things stand, just because of the fact that those catch up games will start to be being played, and then obviously just the very fact that we'll be you know a game closer to the end of the season where. Um, look, if we get another three points on the board, um, um, it, it goes a long way to securing that promotion.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that again, remember the the message that's been sent by by beating Peterborough and, and seeing teams like Portsmouth now that are really starting to have struggles of their own. Doncaster the same. It's you know some of these teams are going through the the challenge, I guess that we you know were facing a month ago, and I guess that kind of. Shows or points towards the fact that we've been able to turn it around, and the the challenge for those teams is they've got to actually get out of out of their ruts to find any you know sort of momentum. So, I mean. I would rather have faltered when we did falter and, and be turning around at this stage, because as I said, momentum seems to be the the most important you know indicator heading into the run. But I tell you what, we've got a, a very exciting last couple of months of football, and as you said, if if we can get to the pub and celebrate a, a League One promotion at, at midnight at Cheers, then um you know w-
1: what better way to do it? Absolutely. Well, before that, we do have uh, Oxford this um, this Sunday morning. Um, mm-hmm. We drew one-one with them last time, I think from memory. Was it Doherty who got the equaliser? It might have been his first goal for the club in that one. Yeah. Um, and, and you know they, they were one of the form sides of the division not too long ago, but they've they've only managed one win in their last five themselves. So um, they're a side that you know perhaps a couple of weeks ago might have been seen as a much trickier uh, proposition than they are now. Um I, I, think, I think the risk is always, and look, we've been sitting here just now talking about what, how many wins we need for promotion. And I guess the worry is or, or the concern would be that hopefully the players don't sort of take their eyes off this fixture too much and start to look too far ahead. I think um, the players um, need to stay focused for this one. And, and I guess my only concern would be if, if they sort of um, sort of take their eyes off it a little bit and get a bit of a reality check in this fixture. Yeah, look, I, Oxford are still a team that scare me. If you, if you look down the the fixture, you see
0: how how kind of at the current table, sorry, you see how congested it is in that in that middle part, and you see the kind of the dogfight for those uh, those final uh, playoff spots. But the momentum that Oxford had earlier on in the season, when you consider how poor their beginning uh, was. They really turned it around, and as as it stands now, they're only one win outside of the six, and they're still a team that scare me greatly. I know that we weren't impressive against them last time; we were lucky to get a point. Um, and you know, although we'll be welcoming welcoming them to the KCOM, I just uh, I, I am wary of of, of Oxford and, and do kind of have them as my my dark horse outside of the six at the moment. That that really would not be
1: surprised to see them, um, you know, find some more momentum and sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, definitely, and you know, sort of at, at the same time as we're playing um, Oxford, Lincoln have uh, Rochdale, who are who are sort of dead last with four losses in a row. So, um, you know, try not to look too much at the teams around us, but it is a it is that sort of game where. Um, you know, it's it's extra extra important to get that win against um, Oxford so that if Lincoln are to pick up the three points, they're not closing in too much on us um, in that one. But look, h- how are you seeing this one panning out? I mean, we sort of talked about uh, perhaps Magennis will come back into the side for white, I guess, um, straighten up the front three a little bit. Or um, how do you see any potential changes to the side? I'm not too sure about, about uh, changes to the side. I think that
0: you can see clearly now that Grant McCann is, is probably more willing to use a bit more of his squad, particularly in the games where we, we get a lead And I mean, it's been kind of a nice problem to have. You've seen a bit more of the bench being used in the last couple of fixtures because we've found ourselves in comfortable positions. So how he chooses to start, um, you know, I, I actually don't even really want to hazard any kind of guess. Uh, but as I said, it's a wary fixture. What what I do like and what I guess is probably the, the thing that I've seen from City in, in recent weeks is – one of the, uh, I guess, the the arguments that could have been made about City towards the start of the season, certainly before Christmas, was if you shut our fullbacks down, you kind of shut us down. And this team started to work out if they press higher up the pitch, then it, we really struggled with that type of pressure play. And I think um what we've seen over the last last month in particular, or the last four games at least, is an ability to kind of mix and match and, and, and change our, our system a little bit. As you mentioned, we've got... Um, you know, a, a really interesting um, kind of dynamic with our attacking options now, and and the different ways that we can kind of hurt teams. Um, we've got the you know Dan Crowley as well, and um yeah. and we, we we've just got a few more variations to our play as opposed to just relying on Honeyman being our our busy bee, yeah. um, and everything kind of coming from him. And so I guess that gives me a lot more confidence in these fixtures, is knowing that these perhaps lesser teams that that do you know face us there's no real set blueprint to kind of how to beat us whereas I think that the argument could absolutely have been made before Christmas that it was a really clear one um and the fact that we can we can challenge teams with you know with those questions and and really challenge them to kind of unlock us um it's a far far better position to be in And again I don't know if that's credit to McCann but um you know, it's 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 far better to see. So look, I think I think we will win this game. I'm I'm very optimistic that we'll win it. I'm expecting another kind of similar fixture to that of Bristol. I think we'll probably yeah. get away with it 2-0, um or, or thereabouts. But I just I'm I'm wary of, of a wounded Oxford because I do still have them as, as special. So let's uh what's the what's the terror slogan? Be alert but not alarmed. I think that that's <laughs> a, a good way of, of of summing up my feelings towards this fixture.
1: Very nice. Yeah, look, I, I'll probably I would back us to win two one. I think we will kind of get that shock where um, I don't know if Oxford will necessarily take the lead. I think maybe maybe they'll peck us back after we've taken the lead in this one. But I can see us winning it. Um, but I, I, I am slightly concerned just coming off the hides of that Peterborough game that we, um, that we stay focused and, um, and, and you know, remain, remain, um, alert and, and pick up the three points in this one. Um, I do like the, uh, the busy bee, uh, analogy for honeyman. I know he's that he's sort of been coined as the, the honey monster by a lot, but I do like busy bee. Um, you know, we had, Jared Bowen is the star man and we've got the busy band midfielders. Uh, honeymoon. I like that. But uh, look, you know, ho- hopefully hopefully, another great game. I know there's some sort of injury doubts around. Um, I think it was Coyle and Alfie Jones. I think McCann wasn't too fussed on those. So hopefully both players pull up uh, for this one. And, and yeah, I'll probably back a back a 2-1 win as well.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, again, you, you've uh, you just spoken then with, if, if Coyle was to, was to pull up lane, then Josh Emmanuel goes in. And so yeah. it's... Uh, that's uh, the solutions and the kind of the options and alternatives that we do have just uh, you know it's i i i can't really remember a time with being you know a city fan of of actually feeling confident about what's on the bench and and the kind of resource and draw from usually we've kind of got you know uh, our star players that are in form and if we get an injured striker or, um, you know, one of our, our key players is out, then we almost feel like the wheels have fallen off, like when Geordie device got injured in the championship season and, and things like that. So it's it's a great that, problem to have,
1: but it's about making sure that we we use what we have well. That season in the Premier League where was it was at Jelovic and Hernandez got injured and we threw Harry Maguire up front against West Ham or someone, I remember that one. But, look, I mean, yeah, you talk about our depth. We haven't even seen Max Clark. Um um, I'm really interested to see what can, what's going to happen with him, if he's going to get a look in because, you know, we sort of touched on before. I mean, Callum Elder's having a f- fantastic season. So um, it, it feels like one of those ones where we've brought Max Clark in to cover for the injury to Fleming. Um, and, and there's just not been that opportunity in the eleven for him to come in and, and play a game. But, um, look, you know, maybe... Maybe if we are to to sort of stitch up promotion a bit early, or, or if we are starting to look really good in the league, he does start to get more of an opportunity, at least in the last few games of the season, to um to play in front of potentially city supporters in the, in the last game of the season. If um, I'm not sure how the dates are going to work on that one, but they might try and line that up. Yeah,
0: and wouldn't that be something special? Um, I guess one thing as well, Alex, that um we, we haven't touched on yet. And before we go, it is probably worth mentioning um, Thomas Mayer getting injured in that. Yes. 20- game and, and being out for the season i know that uh you know arguably that's not a huge loss as far as the first team go and um you know he didn't really see too much time um in the first team i mean he had that hmm. really positive start and um you know it was i remember yeah he seemed great, promising yeah you know some great balls into the box and we're commenting on how promising his uh you know ability to cross the ball was and how he gave us that that extra dimension and then he seemed to have, uh, you know, fallen off the the wagon pretty quickly, and um, you know, so how he's run with injuries? But picking up that injury and being out for the season, be interesting to see what happens with him, um, yeah. you know, contractually. But um, was that was, was yeah, was that a one year deal, or I can't remember. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. I, I may yeah. have even been a, a loan spell. I remember it kind of was one of those signings that took us by surprise. It came out of the blue. Yeah and um you know we knew that there was a an, an international winger uh coming in but i guess that uh if you had have guessed that then it would have been some kind of absolute wonder lottery pick yeah. but um yeah you know fair play to him and we do wish him uh you know a, a speedy recovery and it's
1: interesting to see what happens with him um in the inner city shirt absolutely yeah look he, yeah he was looking quite promising in those first few games It obviously hasn't kicked on as as well as he would have hoped for so um, it's always unfortunate getting a season-ending injury. Um, I think it was a broken leg or something like that, so it could actually be quite serious. I don't, I don't know quite how long he's expected to be out for, but um, yeah, look, wishing him a speedy recovery and um, hopefully we see him back out in a black and amber shirt uh, next season. Um, yeah, that's an unfortunate one, but look, you know, um, it, it's a short, short podcast this week. I think it's almost, it might be the first time this entire season that we haven't had um, a back. Uh, you know, back-to-back games on the uh, the midweek. We've finally got a midweek off, um, uh, so we've just got the weekend game to look forward to. So it's been a short and sweet one, but uh, thank you for joining me. No, my pleasure. It's good to chat. No worries. And then, look, thank you, everyone, for listening in as well. Um, hopefully we can go out and get those three points against Oxford to, to keep on up the top of the table and uh, keep the uh, HMS Piss the League uh, carrying on for, for another week at least. So um, until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire We're going higher and higher There's no turning back
0: because you're